0: This podcast is brought to you by Pragmatic Play, a leading game developer providing player favorites to the most successful brands across the industry. With an award-winning multi-product portfolio of slots, live casino, bingo, virtual sports, and more, Pragmatic Play is powering up new possibilities of play through one single API. Visit PragmaticPlay.com and discover your favorite every time.
1: Jan. Michael. First of all, did I pronounce your first name correctly? Yes. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Welcome to the I Give Me Next Marketing Podcast. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Michael. Ah, pleasure. Uh, so I'm going to try and do it justice to introduce you uh, a little bit here. So <laughs> you're the head of marketing platforms for Betson Group, and you spent almost six years with, with Betson. Uh, And before that, you did uh, almost 10 years in your your own company, Web Success, building out e-commerce business and helping them with their marketing efforts. You're passionate about personal development, psychology, physical training, as we can see, (laughs) SEO and spearfishing slash freediving. Was that roughly correct? Among other
0: things. yeah, Got a Uh, bit of a long list of hobbies, but you have a lot of hobbies. (laughs) I do. That's a a good thing to have. yeah. Yeah. So so when I find time, I like to keep my uh, my schedule full. Yeah, I've got three kids, um, so they don't leave me a lot of time after work. But yeah, uh, yeah, I try to make the best of my time. I like, uh, you know, I'm quite outdoorsy. I like technology when it comes to work, but then, you know, after work, I like to uh, play outside, you know? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Nice. So let's start from the end because I'm super curious about the free diving, spearfishing a bit. So how, how does that work? And how it's, it's a very much into where you, know, you need to hold your breath for a long time now.
0: Uh, yes, at least you have to try. Yeah. Um, so it usually involves me chasing fish okay. like an idiot and uh, trying to hit something. Um, yeah. Been doing it for like four years now. I'm slightly getting better at it. Uh, but it does involve a lot of stamina in terms of the breath hold and stuff like that. So it's not just technique. It's one of those sports where you really need to work on your physical um, endurance but i love it it's like you know um, it's like you're discovering the underwater world and almost being a part of it in a way you know uh, plus uh, the breathing really relaxes you and when you actually manage to catch something i don't know it must be some kind of primal thing but you really feel like wow you know even if it's a <laughs> you know a, Success. a small fish you feel like you really did yeah. something uh, yeah yeah special so it's great yeah, yeah I, love I can it.
1: imagine so did you see i think it was just recently i was seeing on on social media i think it was a ukrainian
0: ukrainian woman i think yeah, that set
1: know, that set newest... a new record for uh, world record i think she yes. said what was it do you, do you know that i details, can't or? remember
0: the number but it was something ridiculous yeah i think it was like over 100 meters yeah well over 100 meters uh yeah blows my mind with honest.
1: no fins i think it was just a completely uh Free. I can't
0: remember if it was with or without fins. Um, Uh could be without fins Yeah, actually. I,
1: I was pretty yeah. sure it was it was it was mind blowing. So yeah. Yeah. anyway, let's uh, save that for another podcast on uh, on free diving. Yeah. <laughs> Today, John, we're here to talk about uh, Martech. Um, and uh, let's start with the definition. So uh, you have worked with this area for a long time. So for you in your own words, what is Martech and why do you think it's important?
0: Yeah. So that's obviously a very good question. So uh, I think MarTech is, um, you know, it's the, the discipline in how um, technology is used for marketing effectiveness and productivity. So um, it is the way that you, uh, that you research, build, um, implement, maintain your marketing tools um, so that you can get the best out of your marketing Uh, i think the biggest advantage is when it comes to martech and really paying attention to martech is that it can really increase increase the efficiency when it comes to both money and time spent so i think it could really increase your returns um, by making what you're doing much more effective it can you know can help improve your targeting it can help improve your reach it can help improve your tracking and optimization and obviously it's not becoming any easier to reach customers competition is always you know getting fiercer and fiercer um so if you could do anything to reduce your spend and um, improve the the value that you're getting out of your efforts that's always something i think to look out for um yeah so i think i think that's probably uh, it also helps customer experience, I think uh, used well. you can improve also customer experience and which is obviously something that's going to affect the brand overall, not just you know direct conversions. Mm. So so yes, I see a lot of advantages there.
1: yeah right. So anyone who spends money on uh, on marketing spend effectively should be uh, should be paying attention. Uh, and uh, is it so? Petson is obviously uh, one of the larger operators in our in our industry. Yeah. Um, do you so B two C company, so to speak, where we're communicating directly to consumers? Do, do you see also B2B companies uh, engaging in, in MarTech or is it uh, specifically for, for B2C?
0: Yes. I think uh, B2B businesses also use MarTech quite a bit. They mm. use maybe different forms of tools sometimes. Um, for example, uh, there's a, a specific area, it's sales technology, which relates more around um, how you maintain your um, your prospect list, you know, how to know when a certain action needs to be taken, building, you know, certain journeys with your prospects and turning them into customers. So I think B2B is, you know, might be a bit more focused on the sales part, yeah. uh, while the B2B will focus more on things like reaching with pay ads, for example, and you know mm. um, among other things. Mm. But then there's al- also similarities. I mean, uh, even let's say SEO tools are a part of the marketing technology landscape, um, tracking. So there's a lot of areas I think where both overlap. Um, so yeah, there's a few differences, but there's a lot of overlap, but definitely B2B. Um, I think B2B is also um, uh, really focusing a lot on MarTech. Um, sometimes it's very, very expensive to acquire a new customer as well. So again, whatever can be done to speed up and improve that process and you know, make it cheaper as much as possible. Uh, yeah. yeah so, are definitely going to be looking into that.
1: Yeah, whether you're B two C or B two B, or you're in the same boat, it yeah. costs uh, cost money to, to acquire acquire new customers. So, one of the things we spoke about was, um, and you mentioned it briefly now as well, sort of uh, connecting the customer journey, uh, so to speak, and Martech maybe being, um, uh, uh, yeah, helping that equation being a conduit, uh, connecting these these two parts. Can Can you give an example of that just for for the audience listening at home?
0: Yeah. Um, so when it comes to connecting the customer journey, I think, um, traditionally it's kind of always been a little bit split because it makes sense in a way to look at acquisition on its own and retention on its own. Um, because you know, they require different processes, different technologies, uh, many times it could be a different team that's working on that. But when you look at it from the point of view of the customer, right, it's, it, th- there's not. Yeah, yeah. there's no real split, right? There's just what journey is the customer taking on that brand? You know, uh, f- f- from the point of view of the ger- of the customer, it doesn't really matter if he's acquired or not yet, um, because they are still expecting the best experience. They are still expecting to get what they need at the time that they need it. They don't want to be bombarded, you know, but at the same time, they want to be given value. So I think uh, being able to use your technology stack uh, and your data, especially because I think the underlying foundation is all data, right? In a way that kind of creates this seamless transition, maybe from one state to the next for the customer journey. Um, To be more specific, there are certain tactics also that could even improve conversions, right? I mean, for example, one problem that I see is that Uh, when a customer first lands on your landing page or first lands on your homepage, Mm. right? What do we know about that potential customer? And usually we don't know a lot. Mm. So what happens is we serve content, you know, we serve something for that potential customer, which is very generic. Mm. And what happens is obviously customer experience is not the best because you might be serving a prospect that's looking for one type of product. You might be serving him or her, you know, content or an offer relating to a completely different product. Uh, and also from a conversion point of view, if you do that, obviously you're not going to convert as mm-hmm. well. So if you can use, let's say, for example, data from the retention side, right? To be able to um, better understand the new potential prospects, at least n- not completely deterministically, maybe in a probabilistic way. But if you can hit, if you can have a much better uh, hit ratio of identifying what that particular customer might need, then you have a, a better chance of, um, serving something more related, more relevant, something more contextual, mm. and therefore improving experience and improving conversions.
1: So well, you're mentioning new customers coming in that the the business have never as seen before. As one example, right?
0: yeah. yeah. As one example, I mean, <laughs> if we could uh, use data and technology to understand more about that particular customer um, uh, through different sources, through our own sources, you know, and be able to. Um, be able to handle that potential customer better by you know by, by having a bit more of an insight about that customer, mm. and then it puts us in a much better position.
1: Yeah. You know? So, for for example, passing through the keyword that the customer was acquired through, if it, if they came through an affiliate site, for example, that would give you a tell or some sort of signal as to what this customer might be interested in and you could uh, serve a landing page that would hit that much better. Exactly. In real time for a new customer you have never done business with before. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, let's say if you were, for example, tracking um, activities that happened before, Lending on the site, mm. you can maybe determine things like interests, and uh, you know, uh, m- maybe even create an understanding of a potential affinity for that prospect. You know, so there are things that could be done. It's just a bit hard to set up, mm. and obviously, you need to do it in a way that actually, you know, generates value for you, because things can become a bit complex and expensive. So it's, you know, you need to keep your feet on the ground a little bit, uh, as much as possible, <laughs> not just a little bit. Um, but yes, uh, and also from the other side, you know, once um, once a customer converts, you know, and goes into what we would refer to as, the, uh, you know, the retention side, how much information can we know about that co- new customer mm. right off the bat, mm. you know, maybe without waiting for a month to start getting a bit of an information, you know, um, a bit more information about that new customer. So yeah. this is how I see them kind of the two sides helping each other by kind of informing each other and allowing them to treat a new customer or, 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 or a new prospect better mm. you know mm.
1: you also mentioned the, it's not only com- connecting the customers it's also connecting the internal departments or the the processes inside the, inside the company and uh and uh, yeah i think i, I think i guess we have all experienced examples where you know maybe because we're in the industry i don't know maybe i don't know if the actual end user notices it but if you're in the industry, it's pretty obvious that it's two separate teams that are touching you on different uh, different parts of of your journey. And they're completely sort of uh, the messages are completely uh, different uh, when you're on landing page versus what is being served to you uh, when you actually sign up and land on your on your site or the the first email you receive or whatever it is, right? Yes. So. uh, w- what is the right formula, do you think? Like I said, does it make sense that uh, we have a separate acquisition and a separate retention team? Should it be the same the same team or headed up by the same person, or yeah. like, uh, or does it make sense that they live uh, separately?
0: Yeah, I think it makes. Um, I I think there's a lot of advantages to them working separately. There could also be disadvantages. I think you know what I've observed um, while working on this role is that I think more than team structure um, or reporting structure, I think it's the communication and the way that the teams and the departments communicate and the culture, you know, like the working culture, how open are they to working together? Are they threatened of each other? Or do they look for ways to actually include each other yeah. sharing you know? goals, sharing goals? Exactly. I think that's more important than structure because mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I've observed both both you know, um, both sides, sometimes there's a good structure, but for some reason, the, you know, the different parts don't really glue together. Mm. They don't, for some reason, see eye to eye that much, but then, um so it really doesn't work even though the structure is, let's say maybe more unified, yeah. but then you can have someone from a completely different department. Like we work a lot obviously with a lot of different departments and some people work really, really well together, even though we're in completely separate departments, but mm. we've kind of, really aligned on our vision, we know that we're both moving towards the same thing. So what I see happens is they include us in a lot of conversations. We include them. We pick their brains. We talk. We have ongoing catch ups. And so we remain very connected and we work on a lot of different things together and we work really well. So I think more than the communi- you know more than the structure, I mm-hmm. think it's it's more about the the communication and the the culture that's built between the different teams. Oh. Yeah. At least, in my opinion, of course. Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) And uh, and I think also even um, uh, so, one thing is acquisition and retention. Another thing is if you look inside the acquisition side only, for example, uh, you very often see, at least uh, in my experience, uh, this uh, split between, for example, some companies will have uh, uh, digital marketing will be done in house and uh, offline or uh, atl or t- you know the tv and the the billboards etc will be uh, done externally or through agencies or or something like that and uh, or or a different separate team uh, that takes care of that as well yeah. uh, and so even within mar- in within the acquisition part of of marketing uh, also seeing um, uh, two different agendas or not sharing the same goals or uh, yeah. or you know who who is who's right, who's wrong? You know, there's this friction yes. between the two. Is that something you recognize as well, or or is that and is that uh, part of Martek to help solve that as well?
0: Yeah, um, that's an interesting point. I think, you know, um, again, from my experience, I think the bigger a department or the bigger a company gets, the more people are involved, the more this becomes challenging. You know, on the pro side, there are more ideas, there's more knowledge, which is great. You know, in one meeting, you can come out with, you know, 20 new ideas, that's obviously fantastic. Um, But then there's always the challenge as teams grow um, to keep everybody kind of unified and moving towards one, one goal one you know direction in a way so um yeah sometimes i think that is uh that is part of the nature of the work you know again i think it's very important to you know i i think it comes down to us as leaders to kind of um kind of uh, promote that idea of wanting to work more with other teams with other departments even internally wanting to collaborate more seeing where we can help each other where we can, you know, instead of going in different directions to try and sort of make things faster, because we're trying to uh, not include way too many people, which I know is efficient sometimes, but sometimes it kind of backfires, because then you'll, you'll still need to include all the relevant people, but you we'll have to do it later, when Maybe decisions have already started being taken. So again, I think it really comes down to uh, to communication on that on that front. Yeah. Very good. Yeah.
1: And and I guess the last piece um, is sort of uh, you know there's you know, at least if you follow the the U.S. Uh, marketplace, so to speak. Um, there is uh, obviously th- th- that whole side of the world is, is born and bred in, in land-based gaming or retail gaming and they have, you know, still the, the world's on the world's gambling is still three quarters uh, land-based uh, gaming effectively So yeah. it's, it's massive, right? Um, uh, but the US and I guess also UK and Italy uh, for, for many years before them uh, also have to think about the physical environment and, uh, you know, they speak a lot about omni-channel tying it all together. Um, yeah. uh, have you uh, have you been exposed to that physical side as well, or, or been following it, and uh, and, and uh, yeah, sort of again marketing's role, Martech's role in tying yeah. all of that sort of thing together. Is it even possible to do proper um, omnichannel?
0: channel? Yes. uh, So Mm -hmm. definitely, that's a challenge. Um, It's not an area I've been focusing on too much. Mm -hmm. However, um, it is an interesting area. Like you're saying, there's a big portion of gambling that still happens offline. Mm -hmm. I think it boils down a lot to tracking, being able to find ways to track Mm -hmm. that activity. There are are various ways that still you can get uh, data, you can still track what's going on um obviously maybe it won't always be a hundred percent you know i mean yeah but at least if you can get an understanding of um, how things are performing what's going on and maybe be able to identify um areas that are opportunistic or 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 gaps you know where you can improve with your marketing technology that would be great so i think i think it's a tracking it's a tracking channel um Obviously, then, from a data point of view, you need, you need to unify that data with, with the rest and make it all fit into that picture. It is doable it's again it's uh, it takes a bit of setup
1: I can know. imagine and.
0: Cost as well, I'm and cost, yeah, uh, not just building but maintaining. Yeah, sometimes that's a, yeah. A, that's an expense that's easy to maybe be overlooked a little bit.
1: Uh, good old uh, refactoring of code and all uh, that. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. And so, uh, being a, a leader within the Martech space, so what are the biggest challenges? Uh, or speed bumps uh, coming up for MarTech uh, that, that you see here in 2023, or, or maybe even next year 2024. Like, what's yeah. the? What are the biggest challenges you have on your desk?
0: Um, so apart from challenges internally, like we mentioned, um, like aligning teams and stuff like that. When it comes to the marketing technology landscape, I think um, I think we're in a, we're in a position where data is becoming more and more important. Um, um, I'm becoming a bit fixated on data, to be honest. I think data is a word that I mention like 30 times a day. <laughs> um, no, because what I see is that data and marketing technology have become very inseparable. It's like as time goes by, more and more data is needed quality needs to be better and better. Uh, It informs everything that happens within the marketing technology landscape. And I really believe that businesses who who track and maintain the best levels of data can do much more than others that don't, right? Because I consider it to be the fuel, in a way, of marketing technology. Um, So there's more and more demand for that. But at the same time, um, I see restrictions increasing, right? So obviously, there's the Cookie less future where third party cookies will be, you know, um, not really available to us. Uh, Device tracking becomes more and more difficult. So, the more we need data, it seems like, um, in a way, the less and less we'll be able to get that directly. So, I really think it's important uh, from a marketing technology point of view to think about how to mitigate that. There are a lot of different solutions. I think uh, a lot of MarTech tools are also being proactive in that they are developing solutions to to tackle this problem because obviously it's a problem for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and not just gaming, any industry. So there are solutions, but again, you need to figure out maybe which one is best for you, uh, how to integrate that with your current architecture, how to maintain it, where you should have something done in-house or where you should have something that is, uh, you know, a readily available third-party tool. So, yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is data. as I can see, even companies that are, you know, quite well equipped with working with data and have a lot of work done already. It's not always very straightforward. Um, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the mm. biggest, probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, um, uh, there's this, uh, uh, meme or a picture going around in social media a lot with, uh, where they use Lego and on the left hand side, they have a big, uh, mix of Lego, all sorts of different colors scattered everywhere. Yeah which represents sort of data points collected, if you will. Yeah. And then the next step, the, all the Lego blocks are are uh, sort of uh, categorized into different colors. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of uh, your data warehouse or sort of making sense out of you know collecting it, having a table kind of thing. Uh, and anyway, eventually, uh, you, you get to the – but in order to assemble the Lego, you have to actually act on this data that you have and, and use it to your advantage to actually execute and build something new with it. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, I mean, we have been as an industry, we have been talking about big data, or the world has been talking about big data. That was a big topic, uh, you know, pre generative AI at least uh, some years ago. Yes, for sure. Uh, So, if we just zoom in on that data area, data collection, making sense of data, and actually executing and building on data, in my experience, I see a lot of companies that are obsessed with collecting data and they measure every single thing that they can. But really where the challenge lies is utilizing that data and actually executing, making sense of it, visualizing it, finding learnings from it that you can then use to build and optimize from that point. Uh, What's your view on that as well? That sort of those different steps within data, if you will.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the challenges with data is similar to, the cha- to, to one of the challenges with MarTech in the sense of, like we mentioned, right? There's like around 12,000 tools or a bit less, I think, um, as of this year that yeah. are available to marketers. Which tools are good for you? Which ones do you need? Which ones do you don't? I think it's the same with data. You can be tracking a lot of data. You can be tracking everything or you know, close to everything, but do you need to track everything? Uh, because obviously there's, um, there's set up which is required and there's also maintenance, which is required. Um, let's not mention storage was that became much cheaper, but, but setup and maintenance is definitely expensive. So I think, I think the way to look at it is at least again, in my opinion, um, is what, you know, like have a plan as much as possible, what you will like start from, start from the, you know, uh, start from the top, where do I want to uh, go with my day? What do I want to be able to do? You know so at least even if you you can't do it now you can plan ahead and you can make sure that you're collecting that data but it should always fit within a part of your strategy or a part of the tactics that you're planning mm-hmm. you know how will i use this data and i think it's a it's on a need basis so yeah. um
1: start from the end right start from to the, figure out what what answer what question that's what i'm trying to, answer, to get right? to and yeah that's word right i'm looking for build backwards from there exactly yeah.
0: um so you know if you're not sure maybe what data you should be collecting i think maybe it's uh, it's a good thing to potentially take a take a step back and think about what do i want to be doing now and what do i want to be uh, doing maybe in the next few years Where, what, what's my strategy what am i trying to improve and so from there you can work backwards and say okay what data do i need to collect and maintain um when i mention maintenance i mean uh, you know there are many different problems i mean even for example um we've been working with obviously lots of different data sources as do many companies you know you you always have these uh you know conflicts between the sources not all the data agrees you need to kind of find a way to um uh, to to consolidate that you know and uh you, you need to keep to make sure that the data keeps flowing, and there's no problems, you handle them. So it can become a bit expensive. So yeah, I guess starting with the end in mind is a good way to uh, to think about what you really need, and then um, you know, go for it. You know, work backwards from work there. Yeah. It, yeah,
1: yeah. You mentioned it yourself as well. So uh, let's segue into uh, uh, the cookie-less uh, future that we're yeah. we're heading towards whenever google uh, decides that now is the now is the time um so uh, so uh, talk to me a little bit more about this so obviously uh, there is third party cookies and there's a lot of talk about moving towards uh, what they call you know zero party cookies or first party at least so meaning yeah, yeah so uh, what is your definition of that so maybe for someone who might not necessarily know so third party yeah. versus first party uh, yeah. cookies
0: yeah so um so third party cookies are <laughs> Something that have been collected, dropped and collected from a third party, uh, from a third party entity, right? So let's say, for example, if you're doing let's say programmatic advertising, and you are uh, serving ads through your through your DSP, right, through your, through your platform, um, there is data that's being collected um, from the user on the site where the advert is being shown, all right? So that's a third party. So that part, that that data is traveling from there. To you, mm. you know, through the second party, right? And uh, that's third party. First party is where you're collecting the data yourself. Okay. And um, so, to be clear, when I say less future, it's about third party cookies that won't be available. And so, in fact, one of the solutions that a lot of people are looking to is how do I uh, collect more first party data? How do I collect data myself so that it's first party? I can still use the data, right? and uh and it's legal and it's you know it's it's something you can work with zero parties then when the when the customer supplies the data right so if you have for example if you find a creative way to use surveys or stuff like that where you ask um, your potential customers or your customers you know what would you like to see more of you know so on and so forth and they give you information directly and you can use that as part of your i don't know your targeting or whatever whatever you wanna do. So these are the differences. So first-party and second-party data are um, potential solutions. They are solutions to the third-party data uh, challenge that we will have. Uh, a lot of marketers, a lot of marketers will argue that they will never really replace what we have with third-party data, right? Um, I see their point. It's much easier. It's uh, it's it's you know something that's directly available to us. But I guess we don't really have a choice. So, you know, I think it's about what we manage to make out of this. You know, um, uh, I think it's no use c- crying over it. It's something that will happen anyway um uh, but yeah there, and there's always you know there are uh, many many tools now that could be used like new technologies that could be used even for you know uh, like swapping sort of data between your platforms and other big platforms, you know, where you can kind of share data in a regulated legal way so that you can help identify users be able to improve your tracking anyway, mm-hmm. and it's still all legal. Again, it needs setup, maintenance, research, stuff like that.
1: So the winners of the future will be the one that collects the most first party data effectively. <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, that's that's how you will have the, the the sharpest data to to target and and find find users only
0: if it's needed. If opinion. it's needed, yes, I agree.
1: <laughs> uh, very good point. Um, uh, but you know, it. it um, so I I I get it, right? But it also when I hear about you know one of the ways to collect first party data is uh, you know all these. Uh, uh, good old uh, free to play games uh, but uh, you know enter your details here to participate blah 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 so it sort of takes me back to the early days of uh you know when facebook came out and stuff i were we were just flooded with all this, uh, these these uh, scam uh, scam games that were just uh, you know win an iPhone and blah 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 all these kind of things. But yeah. you know in, enter your data here. Uh, uh, could there be a resurgence of of those kind of tactics? Uh, maybe it's already happening, or it will happen even more because as as yeah. uh, as uh, what do you call it? Uh, companies are desperate to collect this yeah. uh, first party data. So
0: I think so for um, for zero party data where the, where we are kind of asking people to supply that mm. directly to us. I think one needs to be very creative, right? And especially, you know, like, for example, uh, in the casino domain, right? I don't really imagine a lot of casino players, you know, uh, filling in forms, you know? I mean, uh, they barely want to fill in the register form, yeah. uh, you know? They only yeah. fill it because they really need to. So I think, but maybe, you know, in the world of sports, maybe um, you can really think something up which is relevant they get something out of it maybe it's offered in the right time maybe it's not too uh, exhaustive i think it needs a lot of creativity when it comes to zero party mm-hmm. right how do we collect the data how do we get people to give us information themselves by asking them questions so on so forth uh, when it comes to first party it's more about tracking so um, anytime anyone visits our site our landing pages uh, if done well we can you know it's something that's uh, even doable um, when serving adverts right so um, so that i think is more of a technology mm. challenge more of a tracking challenge mm. than having to be very creative with your customers and your mm. prospects so they both involve different uh, different complexities yeah. in a way
1: yeah I also uh, hear a lot of people or, or see a lot of comments uh, sort of floating around that um, uh, that they think uh, it will uh, exclusively be if you don't collect your own data then it's impossible to uh, target and, and and you know buy ads and, and find new customers but uh, that's not the entirely the case right because i mean if you're in a regulated market and you use uh, Facebook or Google or, or whatever for, for advertising, they are collecting their own first-party data uh, that the users have, have given them. And yeah. those advertising platforms will, will still be available to for companies to leverage. Uh, yeah. But you can only work within their platform. It, yeah. It's the whole sort of… Uh, uh, display marketplace and, uh, and like you say the the, the, the third party uh, uh, part of it that's missing but these marketplaces will still be, available to my understanding. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, as I see it. So yeah. the advertising ecosystem already takes care of data in a in, in, a, in a large way, right? So um, a lot of the data would be available. Um, if you look at for example, you, you know, like going back to programmatic advertising, which is like, which is I think one of the biggest channels that will be impacted by third party cookies. Um, you know, a lot of the data is available. And, you know, the advertising platforms also integrate solutions within themselves Mm. to solve problems of retargeting attribution and stuff like that Mm. which kind of uh, balances out this problem of third-party cookies so there's a lot of that usually um, data can be you know bought to enrich and uh, stuff like that so yeah but uh, i mean the future is a bit uncertain as always right Um, my take is that if a company can own its data it's much safer because you don't really know what's going to happen next you don't know what the next uh, restrictions are going to be you don't know when they will happen you don't know how they will affect you and as i see it maybe i'm a a bit of a control freak but if you own your own data and you have direct control over that and you can use it obviously in a legal regulatory way but uh, if you can use it whenever you like in any way you know with whatever platform you like you know Mm. that gives you so much more power to um you know to to be able to work with your technology stack Mm. so i'm a strong advocate of wherever you can yes do collect data do take care of it and do try to own it as much as possible not because you can't get part of it through other platforms but um yes you're always dependent on someone else and you don't know if you can always depend on that someone else so yeah
1: so in your view, uh, John, with, with, you know, you've been in industry, uh, you for sure know people in industry working in other companies. So if we had to take like a, a pulse, uh, a health check on iGaming, uh, let's say operators uh, and how prepared they are for a cookie-less uh, future, so to speak, and collecting their own first-party data and stuff. If you had to give the, the industry overall a score from zero to 10 today, uh, 9th august 2023 what score would you give us as an industry do you think
0: overall as an industry overall i mean
1: not necessarily uh betson but o- overall from what you know i'm here okay
0: it's a bit hard to uh, come up with a number <laughs> yeah, like no, i'd probably say six, six out six. of ten yeah yeah i think you know so people are uh, starting they're realizing
1: right. it but they haven't really accelerated it uh, full speed ahead uh, just yet yeah
0: and, so. and maybe even for i mean um Smaller businesses might have the difficulty of, um, like, the the barrier could be knowledge or resources available to implement something like that, although, you know, they can use more readily available platforms to solve a lot of those problems. With bigger companies, there's the resources are there, but maybe it's more challenging to put things together um, in a timely way, you know, because there's a lot of... Uh, moving parts that need to align so uh, all in all I think you know they in general they you know they should be okay in general but yeah. um i think there are also varying levels um some businesses might be quite clueless Other, yeah. others might have been very proactive yeah, some ones and, and some some 11s out there uh, uh, most likely i guess right? it depends a lot on how you know if they've been investing a little bit in their in yeah. their marketing and technology especially mm. um, obviously these things keep you uh, more abreast with technology and with, with changes and that's why I, uh, I'm also obviously quite a fan of marketing technology. I think that, you know, not, I think, I I mean, I I know that marketing and technology are always evolving. And so the more ahead you are, and the more you are up to date with what you can do as a today, you know, and the the more able you are um, to take advantage of that, you know, the more action you can take and the better the results will be listening to so.
1: marketing podcasts, et cetera.
0: Et cetera yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> trying out things as well, you know, yeah. testing and, yeah. uh, yeah. Oh, so a lot good. of learning comes from that, I guess as well, you know,
1: so the ultimate question: When will Google uh, and uh, the other big boys uh, cut the cut the cord? You think uh, they so have uh, delayed it a number of times? Now.
0: I, yeah, it's been it's been moved like the date has been moved I don't know like two or three times. Um, last date I've heard is like beginning of next year. Um, I think that's the last date that was communicated. But again, a lot of marketers aren't really uh, betting money on that, you know. Um, but Let's say that's the target date. Um,
1: so we have a uh, we have six months to go. We have
0: thing. some time to go. Yeah. Very good. Okay.
1: Fantastic. Um, so we spoke about um, we spoke about another topic as well in our prep call, which is uh, very um, uh, you know it's almost uh, <laughs> too much up in the air at the moment, uh, which is the topic of AI and okay, uh, yeah. uh, and and Martech. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, tell tell me a little bit uh, about your thoughts. Uh, so obviously, Martech is um, sounds like a, 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 an area within iGaming gaming that will be uh, significantly impacted, or has has the potential to be impacted significantly by uh, by AI. Uh, and then again, separating AI into into uh, you know the various parts. Uh, you know, it's all, not all Chat uh, GPTs as, as we yeah, spoke about. Exactly. But what, what what is your view on? Uh, AI and its uh, current or future impact
0: on MarTech. So to be fair, the way I see it is that AI has been playing a very big part um, when it comes to marketing technology uh, for quite a while, right? Because uh, machine learning, Right, has been, uh, has been be used in marketing platforms, right, and uh, has been used to optimize marketing activity through marketing technology for a very long time. Uh, machine learning has been with us for I don't know how long, but it's been a very long time, and it's always been there. Right? But I think not many people really paid attention to it, unless you're like a techy geek or a data scientist yeah. or someone who's into the subject. Uh, you wouldn't really pay much attention to machine learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you'd see tools do, being able to uh, to produce interesting things, but you never ne- really knew what. Uh, so what I think happened lately, now, especially like with um, the emergence of these generative models and ChatGPT, is um, I think people became more aware of. AI because it's been, as I like to see it, it's been more democratized, right? So before AI was mostly used by companies, tools, so on and so forth, but now it's being used by the everyday average person at home. So now, you know, AI has become this big thing, which could potentially take over the world because everybody now is much more aware of it, right? So, um, yeah, and I think a lot of people confuse, you know, like AI with generative models. Generative models are just one part of that spectrum, right? So, uh, but but as, as we're saying, you know, um, uh, since this is what people are familiar with, this is what they refer to as AI, and there's a lot of hype, I think it comes with, you know, um, it being such a marketable thing. Now, I think this is what adds to that hype. It, it, um, but in any case, uh, even with generative models, I think there is a lot that can be done. For example, there's obviously the uh, the concept of creating creating content fast and at scale, uh, ideation, coming up with suggestions, ideas. Uh, all this could be, you know, plugged in with an API, and you can facilitate your work much more. Also, text to image is a fantastic tool. You know, um, for the first time, we can generate images based on textual. You know, as you know, um, so that could you know it improves even design work right i think there's a you know um there's definitely a very big impact on the way people work even on the job market that i really see happening because of a lot of jobs that maybe were being done by people before might start being um given out to uh, to an ai however i still think that you know like um I saw a meme somewhere and it comes to mind now that it's not AI that will take over people's jobs, but it's um, a professional who knows how to use AI tools better, you know? And yeah. I think that's what really happens. It's not, you know, I, I think many people are kind of scared because it's something new and it's a new tool. It does new automations that we couldn't automate before, but I think it's more about us learning how to use those tools. You know, like I've, I, I have friends who are artists, right? And uh, I'm seeing them use things like Mid- the journey for example uh, where they're creating artistic images and videos and it's just their work became better it did not replace them their work is now more wow you know when you see something like wow i never saw that before you know so i think it's the same with marketing um we can do more and uh, i think it's up to us to really find ways to leverage those tools creatively uh, if that makes sense
1: it <laughs> makes a lot of sense i think uh People are split into two camps at the moment. The ones that are seeing massive opportunity and it's so exciting, and I can really accelerate my work or yeah. my team or my company or whatever it is. Uh, and then there's the the other bucket, which is uh, fear. Uh, yeah. Will I lose my job? Will my company survive? Uh, you know, you know, artists and, uh, and uh, yes. lawyers. Uh, suddenly, everyone. Uh, or at least we think everyone can uh, can create their own contracts uh, when they go and buy a house and all these kind of things. So, yeah. so I think there's these sort of two 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 different buckets. Yeah. Uh, but in your view, it sounds like you're more on the exciting opportunities and uh, and, uh, and and an interesting future.
0: Yes, I mean, I'm quite wary, for example, in the sense of I'm quite careful when it comes to using AI. For example, like we mentioned, obviously you can generate contact uh, content, right? Or you can generate, like you're saying, a contract. Uh, however, I think there still needs to be a, a a great deal of human intervention you need to really uh, take, like unless you know you're running some kind of uh, quick you know like pump and dump operation where you just want to generate quick you know content fast quickly and at scale and very cheap yeah. then okay maybe you'll get away with it but if you're generating content you know for commercial reasons i think you really need, need to be able to uh, be very careful with looking at quality um really double check that but it can really improve speed Mm. like as a draft one as a first version you can generate content you know um so yeah it it kind of improves things so i try to be i mean that's like in general you know i always try to be uh you know focusing on what you can do instead of what you cannot do you know trying to find uh, um, the opportunity and the silver lining right um other way, otherwise, you know, we uh, yeah. we can't go m- move forward too much. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and how would you say has uh, AI or, or, or maybe generative AI, uh, have has it made a significant impact sort of in your tech stack uh, as of today? Or is it still sort of... Uh, experimental uh, how are we going to use this phase or like how would how, how you um,
0: see it with generative so we're talking about generative models like chat gpt right because machine learning um, has been around for a long that's time that's something yeah, that yeah. i'm very interested yeah, in yeah. and yeah. always seeing how to use better yeah. i think it's a very powerful um, technology when it comes to things like chat gpt and these generative languages um, i can say like We use it. I can't say it's been, uh, you know, something that turned, you know, our technology stack upside down or that's improved processes, you know, throughout. There are processes that have been improved. Yes, there are some things where we've got some time off and uh, again, making sure we maintain quality, um, mostly relating to content um even code a little mm. bit mm-hmm. um, working with code i think it's much easier to work with something like ChatGPT. gpt it can facilitate things like understanding code generating scripts and having a version one you know so a lot of that yeah it's been um it's been interesting but i wouldn't say it's kind of um it was a major um, like a, a major improvement, something that really changed our game, mm. right? Although there are a lot of plans to look further into it to uh, be a bit more creative mm. with it.
1: Do you think the same applies across the industry? Like again, if we should do a, a, a pulse check, a health check on no. how much generative AI has today been integrated into people's companies? Is it uh, are still people are people still on the fence? Uh, have they found uh, uh, a strong and, and easy ways to integrate it? Yeah. Um, or what's your, I you?
0: think when it comes to text content, mm. um, probably when it comes to text content, research coming up with ideas, this sort of thing, I think m- most companies have started to use it um, to some extent. Mm. Um, Yes, but when it comes to uh, creating of design and visuals and stuff like that, I think it's still very underutilized. Mm. I think there's a lot that can be done when it comes to the to the design and visual areas that are not yet really uh, being utilized. I think it's a bit more complex, to be honest, mm. um, because if you want to generate text content, you just go to gpt You know, and you say just give me 500 words. Some people actually say please as well. I don't know if you should say. Please, yeah, To ChatGPT, to
1: to your <laughs> chat GPT or part or uh, at home. I feel weird question for
0: the audience. <laughs> yeah. I feel weird not saying please. So, uh, it feels so I had I wrote it a couple of times in the beginning, then yeah. I realized I'm you know saying please to a robot and I thought okay I'm I am i am being ridiculous. So yeah so I think on, on happened, that point
1: actually isn't yeah. it so weird how I don't know about you but I'm using uh, ChatGPT uh, uh, much more than I'm using Google search, for example. So yeah. whenever I want to know anything, I mean, I, obviously Google search is is up to date and and the latest uh, data. And ChatGPT is uh, what is it September 2021 the the cutoff date for data or something. But but, uh, but I never had the please effect with Google but yeah. i do with chat i would never use please with google yeah yeah it felt much more like uh, something yeah. non-personal yeah. but chat D B T feels much more personal I or think human feel,
0: yeah i think we feel like we're talking to uh to a more intelligent yeah uh, entity yeah sorts. is that
1: uh, so- I can. We could almost see an outline of a person on the other end. That's how it feels yeah, for me, yeah, at yeah. least. Like, like if
0: I don't say please, it will give me the right yeah, information. Yes, I feel rude. You know? <laughs> take take <laughs> so, that, Michael. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah.
1: But if you yeah. if you take the um, so now we're 2023, right? But if you if we think this into the future, let's go 2025 or maybe five years into the future. What is the extent to which? generative ai will creep into martek you think
0: yeah i think it will creep more and more into everything to be honest um i think more and more techno technologies will implement generative ai because it's just really good at generating pretty accurate content you know so i think i mean uh, I don't want to go too overboard with this, but I think, you know, we may start seeing it more integrated into your watch, you know, where you say, hey, wait, don't, give me, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please yeah. uh, you know give me like uh, suggestions for restaurants and i'm gonna throw something around here right? and using generative language on your watch maybe you'll get like a, something you know so i think it will be used more and more what i do see as one of the like a potential very big disruptor in the very near future this is just my take on it um uh, some people would agree or not but um I think once uh, Google, especially, um, starts integrating generative AI more into its search results, I think it will be quite a disruptor for acquisition marketing because, you know, when you look at it, um, and even if you look at statistics, it's like 93%, even sometimes I've read of all. Um, web experiences start with a with a with a search engine right and around 60 percent of that starts with a search for information right what an SEO is called an information and search and generative AI is simply much better like you're saying at answering those questions than having to go do your own research go through I don't know five or six different websites read tons of articles so what I see will happen and what is obviously happening um, is that um, search results will no longer take people directly to other websites, but they will simply answer questions there and then and that is a very big portion of web traffic. So if you look at it, SEO channel, um, especially if you rely on information searches, that will be impacted. Uh, not so much when people are looking for brands or comparing products and stuff like that. I think they'll still need a certain level of trust and still go into websites. But if you rely on information searches, uh, like in the travel industry, for example, where people tend to do a lot more information and searches before they buy, I think that's something that will be heavily impacted. Um, Paid advertising, I think it could reduce inventory. You know, affiliate marketing relies on people going into websites and then clicking. So still you're relying on, you know, people searching and going into a website. Uh, paid advertising, programmatic advertising still, you know, relies on uh, publisher sites having traffic. So in the short term, I really do see this causing a bit of a disruption. I don't know to which extent, to be honest. And uh, I think, you know, they will need to find a way to still allow uh, content creators to monetize their content because it will create Potentially legal problems, but also let's say there are no legal problems, but you know, why would content? Cre- why would creators create content if they cannot get that much traffic and monetize it through ads, sales, whatever? So I think that's something that I'm really curious to see how that is, that's going to unfold and how it's going to affect um, Acquisition marketing in general and how to go about it because even SEO, how's that gonna work? You know, why will Google or why will the generative model maybe mention you or your brand in that? Uh, will authority and trust still be a part of that? Uh, I think uh, they will because it doesn't, you know, the generative AI doesn't replace authority and trust. It simply kind of works with the content available to produce an answer. So I yeah. think that still remains there. But uh, traffic, traffic I, think, I think, will be impacted on, mm. on the end websites. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think, I think is one of the biggest changes I see and not in five years time, this is probably in the next under a year for sure.
1: For me, it's the executive summary, chat GPT. like you're saying, as an it's a, uh, as opposed to you uh, searching something and uh, diving into 10 different results to try and get information. Yeah, uh, it will immediately deliver an executive summary, it will check those 10 sites or 20 sites or 50 sites for you, summarize everything, compare everything and give you, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, the summary. And it
0: will even suggest products directly. So not just answers, but also suggest products based on their information and stuff like that. I think even things like markup on websites will become more and more important to allow like this, to understand, uh, you know, the context uh, and uh, maybe that could be, Mm. but. We'll see. There's not really any good content around mm. that yet. It's it's still very early days. No one really knows where everything was going. You know. So, so the so.
1: SEOs will not be no longer be afraid of Google updates. They'll be afraid of uh, of ChatGPT updates. Uh, it will add uh, and how the, uh, the uh, algorithm works. It
0: so, will add another fear to, yeah. to the poor uh, SEOs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Me included.
1: Okay. So if we have to summarize uh, all the Martech side. Um, so, uh, what are the benefits for Betson or for, for other operators to have a Martech department uh, in the first place? Is there obviously Betson is investing a lot into this uh, you, you know you and your team and uh, yeah. uh, there are many headcount I'm sure and, uh, and, uh, and people involved in this and technology and tools and, and and what have you. So what is the ultimate benefit for betson do
0: you yeah. think? Um, good question. So I think um, first of all uh, different businesses, different sizes will need different um, teams or different sets of resources to deal with MarTech. You don't necessarily need a very big team, depends on kind of uh, the scope that you're trying to set for yourself. So I think the biggest advantage, uh, as we had mentioned earlier, is improving the efficiency of your uh, investment when it comes to both money spent and time, right, because you're getting more back for both of them so i think efficiency uh, reducing costs improving conversions you know reducing cpa stuff like that is definitely one big advantage Uh, i think investing in marketing technology can also lay out the foundations and the groundwork for you to be more future proof and to be able to get better over time instead of go backwards over time so for example um if you can you know if a company i think can invest in building its own infrastructure in certain things if it can invest in building its own architecture it's much easier to move into the future because you have some things ready you don't always have to rely on finding new solutions for everything you know so there are certain um certain advantages certain economies there as well
1: very good very good okay John, uh, we're coming to the end uh, uh, of this podcast, and uh, I like to finish off with um, three predictions. Uh, so how do you see uh, the crystal ball of uh, Martech and how does it look in the, in the future? So just uh, whatever springs to mind, whatever, you know, there's no right or wrong answers here. But okay, so number one, if you had to put a date on it, when do you think cookies will comp- or third party cookies will
0: completely disappear? Mm. It. that would be very presumptuous of me. <laughs> yes. But uh, that's okay. In this podcast, <laughs> I would say safely, I think, maybe within the first half of next year, okay, they might move it again, I don't know. But I would imagine by first half of next year, like if I had to bet, let's say I would bet that in h1 next year, okay, Um it will be rolled out, it will be, let's see be I'm... all over said and done. Yeah. Question number two, Uh will Acquisition and retention teams ever align? Um, I think they can and they do. You know, it takes a bit of work. I think it's a, I think it's a business by business, um, you know, a, a company by company answer in the sense of um, more than industry wide answer. I, I mean, it all depends on how hard they work at it within that particular company. You know, I think there's a lot of work to do, a lot of, uh, again, communication to be had. I think it's very important that both sides don't look at each other in any way as sort of competing, but really helping each other, you know, building their uh, their stack together, helping each other through data, through processes, through efficiencies. So there's a lot of work like that. So I think uh, it's very doable. Um, I think more and more they will see the need probably and put more effort into it. So I'm quite positive in the things will turn out.
1: Nice. I yeah. like positive answers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the last one. So within the next 12 months, what will be the biggest change Martech will see?
0: All right. Um, so apart from what we mentioned uh, from these generative AI things, which uh, is maybe something that, but that affects more marketing as a whole. Um, I would say more and more focus on data. I think um what i'm seeing is that even data professionals are being given more and more attention data scientists engineers architects they're kind of going they're becoming higher and higher in demand as i could see online i think companies are focusing their attention more on this need for data and working properly with that um also, because driven by these, uh, the, the, the you know the cookie-less future and these limitations, I think more and more companies will kind of wake up to that and realize that there's a challenge that needs to be addressed and that needs to be addressed with technology and data. Otherwise, it's going to affect the way that they work. So, I think in the shorter term, um, more and more attention will be given to how uh, how businesses work with data and their martech uh, stack. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Thank you john we need to have a new podcast in uh, h1 next year to see if if these predictions uh, came came true or not we can bet
0: 50 euros yeah exactly (laughs) exactly. perfect any any final uh, thoughts or comments or um, considerations Um, from nothing from me thank you for having me michael it's been uh it's been a pleasure very interesting chat thanks for coming uh, by yeah it's a pleasure thank you yeah have a great day same ciao ciao. (laughs) ciao